Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Take a listen to today's episode, Simple Musings on True Discipleship. And I hope that you'll share this with others and invite them to come and be a part of the conversations here under the big tent of God's presence. Love you all. Well, good morning again, uh, as I am on family holiday, but here in the early morning hours, I am still meditating, thinking, (laughs) reflecting, uh, and letting God direct um, my thoughts and which means that turns my soul towards what he is thinking, and it uh, brings great peace. And so I uh, picked up my book titled Discipleship uh, by A.W. Tozer and was reflecting on it and thought that I would share this uh, reading with you um, to show that in every generation— God looks for those who will be his voice. He looks for those sons who have allowed him to truly bring them into agreement with him about what he says about things. And when you really look within the scripture, you'll see it with Paul especially, um, and you see a son who has truly been brought into powerful agreement with God about his judgment upon the nature of the old. And again, all of that is so as to bring us to the point of the finality um, of what God says, so that we turn and we embrace life with him, which comes only by the nature of God himself given to us through Christ. So this gets very simple And it gets very clear, uh, and it would, oh, it would address so much confusion and cleverness and, uh, and these type of things within the body of Christ if we would just come into agreement with what God says about the old nature. Stop trying to rehabilitate it. Stop calling it things and what it produces, um you know, these things that we think somehow that man in his, you know, own self and his independence from God that he can address. Um, So I just want to read this because sometimes I just feel like, you know, that it's just, it's just good to read those from the generations previous uh, because God is still looking for those in this generation who by personal entry into this school of Christ, where he brings us into very strong, striking agreement with him about what he says. Because we are not more highly evolved humans as the years go by. No, more and more, it is being revealed what has always been true of man, independent of Christ. Now, again, to me, the most grievous is those who are born again, who are one with him, who continue to identify with the old, live in their flesh, 
um, and allow an open door for all of this uh, to be within the church. But God is moving, my friends, and he is finding those sons who are in agreement with him and his word and his judgment upon it and his solution for it, and they're moving on. There are those who are staying camped around the old things, and this is grievous. It's not important whether it's really grievous to me or this or that. It's that that the Father is not not having his whole house. And um, he's bringing fire and sifting and burning and judgment to that which is not of him. And yet everyone continues to scramble to not feel ashamed, uh, to not have any negative feeling, to know they're not a bad person. That's never been the issue. We are dead to God. Hmm? Do you understand there's a difference in that? And when God comes by the Holy Spirit and brings the conviction of that upon you, you will never have to be convinced Again, you'll you'll never be uh, fuzzy wuzzy <laughs> about the dividing line that the cross brings. So, this is very very key for us to move forward. And so, when we rally around so much philosophy that really flies in the face of the divine philosophy, the divine wisdom, which is Jesus Himself. You know, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we are trying to protect? What are we attempting to build upon? Because the Word says that Jesus himself is the only foundation, not the rehabilitated, you know, ego of man. So there is shame and guilt to be faced Shame is that there is something wrong with you. And yes, my friends, there was. We were born with a nature that is hostile to God. That is the defect that we must face. I'm not defective because someone else thinks I'm not worthy or, you know, my parents didn't love me. The defect that must finally be gotten to is that we were born with a nature that is hostile to God. By nature, we were enemies of God. That, my friends, there is a shame in that, in that there is a defect in man. And we want to make sure that we truly face that. I mean, Jesus bore our shame and guilt, our defect and the results of all that we have done um, in our independent state from God. So let, let me read this, okay, because <laughs> let me just read. So just leading up to this particular portion of the book, Discipleship by A.W. Tozer, uh, because the majority of what I'm going to read is under the heading of The Calling for Every Christian. Now leading up to that section, Uh, It talks about how, really, when we take 
these positions of compromise, and it would be nice if people would accept Jesus, but, you know, everybody's going to go their own way, that kind of thing. Um, A.W. Tozer says, let's just get serious about this, and that all of that, you know, that we cloak in tolerance and this, that, and the other is just really downright cowardice. That's what he says. That it's just, we're just downright cowards. And we do have to let that pinch and pierce, don't we? Because it's one thing to recognize that you cannot force the kingdom of God upon another person. Obviously not. That doesn't mean that you water down the gospel. It doesn't mean that you change what you share what you say, what you live, what you know, so as to not make anyone feel uncomfortable. My friends, the gospel is very disruptive. Discipleship is very disruptive. Because previously, you've been a good moral Christian, and you're pretty much doing God a favor, you know, being faithful to Him, even though He hasn't been faithful. And we just don't understand why God does things the way that He does. Okay? <laughs> to the cross, severing that and exposing it for what it is, so that we become one with God Himself through Christ and then live like Christ. Live like Jesus. See, discipleship, true discipleship is going to be very disruptive to you personally. And without trying to, without being, you know, combative and aggressive and rude and hate-filled, you're simply going to say what God says and live as, as God lives, right, by the indwelling Christ. You're sharing in God's nature and you live that way, it's just going to go against the grain of the world and of the good of man within the religious institutions. Okay, so so we're not setting out <laughs> to be anything other than what God meant for us to be from before the foundations of the world. Hmm? Here I go. I'm just reflecting and sharing. I need to be reading. Okay, here we go. The calling for every Christian. Now, again, this is a man writing, A.W. Tozer, from generations before. uh, But just give it some thought, would you? True Christianity deals with the human problem of the self-life, with the basic matter of, quote, me, myself, and I, close quote. The Spirit of God deals with it by an intolerant and final destruction, saying, quote, This selfish I cannot live if God is to be glorified in this human life. Close quote. God himself deals with this aspect of human nature, the sum of all our proud life, and pronounces a stern condemnation upon it, flatly and frankly disproving of it, fully and completely rejecting it. And what does God say about it? Quote, I am God alone, and I will have nothing to do with man's selfish ego, in which I find the essence of rebellion and disobedience and unbelief. Man's nature in its pride of self and egotism is anti-God and sinful indeed. Close quote. 
It is in this matter of how to deal with men's proud and perverse and sinful human nature that we discover two positions within the framework of Christianity. One position is that which leans heavily upon the practice of psychology and psychiatry. There are so-called Christian leaders who insist that Jesus came into the world to bring about an adjustment of our ego, our selfishness, our pride, our perversity. They declare that we may become completely adjusted to life and to one another by dealing with the complexes and the twisted concepts that we have gotten into because our mothers scolded us when we were babies. So there are thousands of referrals as the clergymen shift our problems from the church to the psychiatric couch. On the other hand, thank God, the Bible plainly says that Jesus Christ came to bring an end of self, not to educate it or tolerate it or polish it. No one can ever say that Jesus Christ came to tell us how to cultivate our natural ego and pride. Jesus never taught that we could learn to get along with the big proud I in our lives by giving it a love for Bach and Beethoven and Da Vinci. Paul outlined the full spiritual remedy. Quote, I am crucified with Christ, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Close quote. This is a decision and an attitude of faith and commitment called for in the life of every believing Christian. When we see that Jesus Christ came into the world to deal effectively and finally with our life of self and egotism and pride, we must take a stand. With God's help, we say to that big I in our nature, quote, this is as far as you go. You are deposed. You are no longer to be in control, close quote. In true repentance and in self-repudiation, we may turn our backs on the old self-life. We may refuse to go along with it any longer. We have the right and the power to desert its ranks and cross over to spiritual victory and blessing on Emmanuel's side, walking joyfully under the banner of the cross of Jesus Christ from that hour on. This is what it means to deal with and finally depose of the old man. The old life of self, which is still causing problems in so many Christian lives. We take a place of actual identification with Jesus Christ in his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. In the Christian life, that is what baptism is supposed to mean. But sad to say, baptism is nothing but a quick dip to the average person because that one does not know what baptism represents. He does not know that baptism genuinely ought to be an outward and visible testimony of a spiritual and inward transformation that has taken place, a symbol declaring that the old selfish and perverse human nature is repudiated in humility and put away, crucified, declared dead. This is what baptism should mean to the believer, death and burial with Christ then raised with him in the power of his resurrection. It can happen apart from water baptism of any mode, but that is what water baptism should indicate. It should set forth that identification with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, just as a wedding ring witnesses and sets forth the fact that you are married. My friends... 
The old, by God's judgment, must completely go down. Now that has happened in the crucifixion of Jesus. You were co-crucified with him. You have been raised with him into newness of life, his life. Not a improved, uh, coddled, old nature that can't bear to hear any criticism, that can't bear to, um, you know, be shamed in any way. The new man fully agrees with God that the old is shameful, defective by birth, not, not because of anything that we did. And these are important aspects of real true discipleship. Because you cannot live as Christ unless you share in his life and his nature. And then you are willing to yield to the same growing up by Holy Spirit and the Father that Jesus did. So that your new life can be developed. So these are some thoughts here today on Tent Talk. These are things that must carry great weight with us in our inner world with him. And it is very tempting at times to begin to acquiesce to man's cleverness. So this isn't about being against psychology. Psychology is the study of the soul. There are a lot of things we can study the soul, but what's the remedy? Where things typically begin to split is not in the assessment of soul or the assessment of the psyche, right? It is in the solution. Once you see its problems, once you see um, the, the things that you find out in psychology and psychiatry, then what is the solution? Hmm? Solution is typically where things part ways. For the gospel leaves no question. We are not here to rehabilitate anything of the old. We are not here uh, to, um, you know, shake off the old condemning ways. No, the condemnation was upon the nature that we inherited from Adam. And we need a new nature inherited from Christ. The simplicity, my friends, is staggering when the gospel is truly preached And then give Holy Spirit opportunity to bring the unbelievable, striking conviction that only He can bring to a person, right? Because we won't say the truth. The truth doesn't come to people, right? So we have to address ourselves. Have we come into agreement with God about this so that then we would preach His gospel that we would share his message, that we would release and be co-laborers with him in his applying of all of the solution. And the cross, my friends, is not just the death towards the old. It is the absolute way of life of God himself. The cross is a daily, eternal release of life within us. And too seldom do we share the life side of the cross. So there's death working in us by the death side of the cross, which allows then the life side to come forward. So we must continue on with him. We must stay with him in these things. So, well, that just, you know, was just quite a bit. 
and uh, could be broken down into like 15 different episodes. <laughs> but I just want to share with you. I want to just provoke you and have this conversation. I want you to be provoked. Hmm? Provoked to Him. Let Him show you what's true. Let Him show you His solution. Because when He points out the problem, there is no solution other than that which He brings. If you self-assess and you decide what your problems are, and then you just go out looking for solutions that you feel certain that God will be okay with, my friends, you're on a wrong path. Hmm? Let Him lead you. Because He will always lead you through the cross to Himself. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ, the one and only. So Holy Spirit, release truth to each one that opens themselves to you. I trust you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.